today's a big day because, um, as Carmen already mentioned, it's twofold. It's our birthday, which is so cool. We're 10 years old. Um, actually, we were technically 10 years old yesterday on March 7th because we had a pre-launch, March 7th, 2010, and then we took a week off in March uh, 21st, 2010 was the first official day. And uh, it's been amazing ever since. And so we're celebrating birthday month, birthday week. Today we're celebrating. And when I think about birthdays, um, it's, it's an amazing reality to understand that when you're a kid and your parents celebrate your birthday, you really do think it's all about you. And, and parents do this. They make it all about you. You know, it's all about you and there's balloons and there's presents and and it just feels all about you. But as a parent, you realize that a birthday is really all about you as the parent. <laughs> and ultimately, because there's responsibility in throwing a party, but there's something extra special because as parents, when we get to look at our children's lives, we look at them and we're so grateful that day means so much. It's, it's our, our kids are our treasure. And so we get to treasure them. And every single year comes around, we think about what happened when they were born and we, all the steps that they've taken and how much we cherish them. And kind of all of the difficult things can melt away and we, we hold on to that, the beauty of that relationship and that child. And it's no different than I believe how God looks at us. And as we we're all born into this world, physically the scriptures teach us that we have to be born again we have to be born spiritually which means we have to embrace the person of Jesus Christ in order to be in his his family we have to say I, I trust you and I want to believe in you I want to give my heart to you and I want to follow you and when that happens we get born again and so ultimately with with birth there's this 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 real spiritual reality of God looking at us going I treasure you I treasure you. I, I actually care about you. I, 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 I pick you. I desire you. You're my, my child. And it made me think um, when I was thinking about birthdays and children's books and, and being in, a, in an elementary school, there's a book that I got this week I, uh, on my podcast. If you haven't listened, I, I interview lots of different people from our church. And this week, I, I interviewed um, a state senator who goes to our church. His name is Jay Hottinger. And he told me that this is his favorite book. And so I ordered it right away, and I read it. And I read this book for the first time last night to my kids, and it's a really great story of a little elephant who um, has a bad day. He has a bad day at school. He doesn't get picked. He doesn't, uh, he doesn't win, and he feels really down, and he comes home, and he's sad. And his mom spends the last half of the book trying to explain that even though he didn't get picked on the, you know, the, the kickball team or baseball team that day at recess, or even though other people are doing things better than him and he kind of feels like a failure, the mom basically says, none of that matters. I choose you. I choose you to be in my house. I choose you to use my arms to hug you. I choose you and use my voice. I pick you because I love you. And ultimately, uh, the very end of the book uh, has a piece of scripture that is the inspiration for the book and it's from Deuteronomy 7, 6 and God says this to the nation of Israel the Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of this earth to be his people his treasured possession and so when I think about the fact that God has chosen us and that choosing of us was kind of our birth spiritually 
And then every single year that we celebrate growth and spiritual growth, he looks back and as, as children, we think it's all about us. But God is going, no, 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 this was my plan. Like, I choose you. I treasure you. And it's amazing for me to sit back and know that the God of the, of the, the whole universe, the God of, of time and space and creation, that he sits back and he says, I choose you. I treasure you. And your spiritual birth, your, your existence is something that I sit back and like a father at his children's birthday party, I go, this makes my heart happy. And so I'm just like so grateful that we're here today and that we have a God who loves us so much that we, we come here to treasure Him, but He just, our God actually throws the praise back on us. He loves us. And doesn't it warm your heart to know that your Father in heaven, that He picks you, He chooses you. You are God's treasure. Some of you need to hear that today. You are God's treasure. Does that excite anybody today? Yeah, we're going to get a little more excited. It's a very exciting idea. My life verse growing up is John 15, 16, where Jesus says to his disciples, for you did not choose me, but I chose you. I chose you, and I appointed you, that you would go and bear fruit, and that your fruit would remain, and whatever you ask in my name would be given to you. All this beauty of being in God's family there's something that I've experienced my entire life, and I'm not here today as the pastor of 514 Church, and this place doesn't exist as it is because I chose to do something. It's because when I was 12 years old, God chose me. He just said, you. And I, I haven't been perfect, and I've had failures, and I've fallen down just like that elephant, and God says, you know what? I choose you. I pick you. I want you. And that warms my heart to know that God loves me and that I'm his treasure and that all of us are the same way as well. It's a great thing. And today, um, being in an elementary school building, as I've alluded to, as you know, this is a shared space. We don't own this building. That's why we're buying a building. We've been renting this building. And all week long, there's an elementary school that meets in here. My daughter goes to school here. Both of our little boys went to school here. And this has been, uh, at first it was the K-1 elementary school building. Now it's the ELC, the Early Learning Center. And for the 10 years we've been here, it's been a shared space. And for those of you that uh, understand what it takes to cooperate with a church being in an elementary school building, you know that it is a, a very intense and very purposeful and, and can be challenging relationship because there's so much use that has to happen. But I uh, thought that today, as we're celebrating our birthday and as we're celebrating our 10 years in this building, that we would recognize the other party that makes this being a shared space successful. Because this has been such a successful relationship, it's been so great, and it's because of the grace and the kindness and the professionalism um, of the leadership of this school that we've shared this space with. And I thought that we should bring the principal of the school here today, and she is with us, Miss Michelle Unger. She's the principal of the school. She has led through keeping this shared space usable by both sides. And I thought that 514 Church, since you've been the ones who have... Uh, gained the spoils and the benefits of a shared space and it going so well, I thought that you would want to ridiculously warmly welcome the principal of the school, Miss Michelle Unger, and she's going to come up here right now. Here we are again. Let me give you a hug this time. Thank you so much. We're so glad 
that you are here. And, uh, you know, this is the second service, so she, she's, she's already spoken. And, you know, it, a shared space. There's been times when it's like, you guys moved that, we did that, and you email us, and then we try to fix it. And we've always worked it out. We always worked it out. And you've always been awesome, but I thought it was funny. I thought, oh, no, is she going to go back there in between services and see what we do in these classrooms and be like, I am so glad this is the last day. We try our best. We have tried our best. And it's been your gracious hosting that really has made it work. Thank you for being here. It's a two-way street. Right? Yeah, well, we've, I mean, we try. It's, it's a relationship. We talked mm-hmm. about it in the first service. Mm-hmm. As you mentioned, we were a K-1 yes. when you first moved in, yes. um, and now we're an ELC, and many people don't know that when you add a preschool, there's state licensing yeah. that gets very complicated, and we kind of had a hurdle that right. we had to go through with that tougher. church. Yeah. It did, and I was so thankful. You and Wes came in, met with me, and yeah. we kind of talked about all of those different aspects that would be impactful, right. um, and we worked through it. You made it work. And, and, Easily yes. and quickly. Right. So that was so wonderful. And, yes. and I shared earlier, um, it's easy to be in a partnership and a relationship with someone when you share the same heart. Yes. And I think our heart is in, in ministry, in a different ministry. Yeah, Ours is different Monday right. through Friday because the state says it yeah, has to right, be, right? Sure. Um, <laughs> not because we want it to always be, but because the state yes, dictates right. that. That's right, yeah. But we, you know, being here with the youngest learners in New Albany, um, you know, we, we strive to teach children and to make the world a better yeah. place. And then to be here and to be during the first service, it became so clear, even more clear, what your ministry does yeah. and makes the community a better place. So yeah. I want to thank you. Well, thank you. Um, on behalf of the ELC family um, that's here Monday through Friday, we wish you and your church the very best well, in your you new space. thank you very much. So. We are, it's all because of you guys making it work. And... We have a, a little present for you, um, a gift card. We're so thankful that, that you've, been, you've been a part of this, just a little thing. But also, um, you know, we missed this, the first service, but Chris Overmeyer, yes, Chris. who has been our custodian, he has been here for 10 years. He opens up the building, he helps us set up, and he, give him a round of applause. He... He doesn't like to be, he, he didn't want to come up here. He's probably hiding in the back over there or whatever. He's probably doing his job, which is, yeah. he's so great at. But um, if you see Chris walking around, just tell him thank you. He is one of the key reasons we've been able to have such a great relationship with the school all these years. It's been 10 years, and we really haven't had much of a hiccup. So thank you. Give thank Michelle um, a big round of applause. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you for being here. You're welcome. Yeah, all right. Absolutely. Yep. Um, absolutely. I mean, a shared space, as I was thinking about talking about uh, Miss Michelle Unger and all of her help and, and the relationship, it really hit me that the shared space idea is a very ancient and wonderful idea that God started when he actually created humans. And he has desired since the very be- beginning to have shared space. You know, God is eternal. He's outside of time. When he created this world, His whole beginning was, I'm going to create a place, a place called the Garden of Eden, and it's going to be the center of life. And uh, I believe that the word Eden means life. It means growth. It means um, celebration. And so this idea is that God created a place from the very beginning that wasn't just for us. It was for him and us. It was a shared space. 
And ultimately, for that relationship to be successful, they had to learn how to share space. They had to treat each other appropriately. They had to respect each other. And God had some boundaries. And ultimately, the reason that the shared space ceased to be shared space was because we did something in the shared space that caused us to lose access to the shared space. And that is basically God's entire intention since we were removed from the Garden of Eden is been God going, you know, I still want to share space with you. I still want you to take my creation and I want to be with you and I want you to take what I've done and I want you to bring that into the world, but I want to do it together. I want actually a relationship with you. I want to know you. And so God, from that time, he did this move throughout human history to try to make sure that God and humans could share space fully once again the way that he originally designed it. This is the picture of the tabernacle. After the Israelites were freed from slavery, God says, he's up on a mountain, I want to come down from the mountain and I want to share space with you. I want to be close to you. I want a relationship with you. And so he made the people of Israel make a tabernacle, which was a mobile tent that wherever they would camp, they could build and the presence of God would go in it and humans would go in it. And ultimately for them both to be in there, there had to be some reminders of why that shared space was so sacred and so difficult to come by. That's one of the reasons there were sacrifices in the tabernacle is we think of it oftentimes that when an animal was sacrificed it meant that okay something's paying the penalty for me like okay but ultimately the picture of sacrifice in the temple it was that but it was additionally that God wanted humans to know how difficult this broken relationship is and what it causes and so he wanted us to know that he doesn't want death. And so we got a picture of death of an animal dying. And humans, if you see that happen, you go, oh, this is not okay. This is not what I want. And ultimately, sacrifice in the temple was a way for us to see, like, do you see how critical the shared space is? And for us to come back together, there's this brokenness. And here's a picture of this brokenness with death. And ultimately, for us to share space, that death has to be erased. And so God was just on this move of sharing space and wanting to be close with us, wanting to build a relationship, wanting to have a connection, a contract, an interaction that where we could all be back together. So they went from the tabernacle to a temple. They got into their land, and then they built a building, a giant building that was designed for God to dwell in and for the people of God to be able to go inside of it and to be in there to actually enjoy that temple and understand there is God's house and he is close and he is with us and it is exciting that we get to be close to God again. We're the people of God and there he is. He's right up in that temple. And so the idea of temple or tabernacle where God would actually be or a building where the presence of God would be in humans being allowed to go in that space and share space with God is a powerful idea. And when a first century Jew would think about a tabernacle or a temple, it meant everything to them. For us, we're in this school. or build a building. And temples don't really have that meaning. They don't have that sacred idea. There's, there's this idea of the temple being a place where sacred and holy things would happen. You'd have to sprinkle blood to purify. All of it was symbolic of this idea that in order for God and man to share space, something had to change. Something had to be better. 
And so ultimately, like in our culture, we don't have a lot of sacred spaces that are like temple spaces. I mean, the closest thing in our culture might be like the bathroom. It's like very few things happen in there, and they're very sacred, and you, you, you don't share with everybody. And like it's kind of ritualistic, and like there's like, a, there's like a process. There's like one example. A good example of like sacred spaces where you might think of a building that meant something as much as it meant to the first century Jews is to think of what you might think about when you think of the Washington Monument, you think of the Capitol Building, you think of the White House, you think of the Statue of Liberty, you think of all the things that kind of represent everything that matters to Americans. For a first century Jew, it was that times 10. It was temple, you say temple, you talk about temple, that is the shared space of God. And for, for the, the first century Jews, it meant that building represents reconciliation with God. That building represents the presence of the living God and us being able to share space with him. The temple in Jerusalem was a building of hope. Imagine, you know, for us, that Statue of Liberty in, in the first couple hundred years of our country, of people being in, being able to move into this space, a picture of hope, of liberty, of freedom, of possibility. For the first century Jews, that temple represents God's possibly bringing his kingdom back and the hope of everything about what God wanted for humanity may be happening. So that temple was a big, big deal. But ultimately, the temple is something that turns into this next phase, and we have throughout all of the scripture, we have this picture of shared space. We have the garden, we have the tabernacle, we have the temple, and then we have actually Jesus calls himself a temple, which is kind of the mixture of humans and God, God and Abad. It's the, it's the shared space person, the heaven and, a, heaven and earth person. And then from there, the temple language goes even further, and it turns into, if we know Jesus, then the Spirit of God lives in us, and our bodies are temples. And so we have this great imagery of temple all throughout the scriptures and even into the New Testament where it meant and represented shared space, relationship with God, hope, purpose of a building. What is it all about? But the problem with your, your body being a temple and the problem with the temple being what it was and even the tabernacle being what it was and even the garden being what it was is that people often got fixated on the building and not the purpose of the building. These, even, even the tabernacle, the, the first tabernacle is, is actually the garden. That was a temple. It's a tabernacle. That was created to be a shared sacred space. And what happened in the garden? There was a fixation on the garden. There's a fixation on something other than God. This is what humans tend to do with shared space ideas, place where we're supposed to be connecting with God. Humans ultimately, just like we did in the garden, we decide to worship something else. So we get fixated on the garden, and we worship the garden, and we worship the fruit, and we worship ourselves instead of worshiping God, and that causes a problem. Ultimately, when you get to the temple, the same exact thing happened. The kings, instead of the, the idea and the purpose of the temple, which was to share space with God in a holy and wonderful way, it was, oh, this building represents our power. And so they would bring in the spoils from war, and they would bring in idols from other gods and worship them in the temple, because ultimately, their victory and who they were was more important than what the shared space was designed for. And so humans all throughout time have taken what God intended 
shared space and twisted it and manipulated it into being something that it's not for. This is personified when Jesus Christ shows up in the book of John. We know that his first miracle is to turn water into wine. After he turns water into wine, this is amazing. The man who turns water into wine, he goes to Jerusalem. Anybody know where he goes? To the temple. And it's an amazing story. Just to, it, it, The scriptures are so wonderful. There's so much that's in there. And because of how much that's in there, there's so much that's not in there. And even in the scriptures, it says if everything about Jesus was written, there wouldn't be enough books in all the world to fulfill it. One of the things that's not written in there because of the stuff that is written in there is it says that Jesus, in John chapter 2, because of what was happening in the temple, that he went and you know what he did? It says he made a whip. Now just think about that. Jesus made a whip. Now, if you were like Dr. Emmett Brown and Marty McFly and you had a time machine, wouldn't it be kind of fun to go find Jesus making a whip? And you're like, oh, there's, you were born in Nazareth and you're, you're the new guy and you just turned the water into wine? What are, what are you doing there, Jesus? Well, I'm, I'm, making a, I'm making this whip. I got this whip together. Imagine Jesus, then he goes up to the temple, he pulls out a whip, and he starts whipping people. I do this to my kids when they get out of the shower with the towels. They run like crazy. It's like, whoosh, and sometimes I get them, and then there's like a cry moment, and I'm like kind of crying, but I'm kind of laughing. I hope it didn't hurt too bad, but I'm glad it hurt a little because, you know, it's fun. But like, like, imagine Jesus goes into the temple, and he turns over the tables because in the temple, what are they doing? The same exact thing that people have always done in temples. In the garden, they're making it about themselves. They're more about the garden than they are about God. They're more about the, the, temp, the tabernacle than they are about God. In the temple, in the Old Testament, the kings, more about themselves than about God. And here they are in Solomon's temple, which to the Jews, it took, it, it took 50 years to build that temple. And there had been a temple there for a 1,000 years. And Jesus shows up and goes, you are still doing in my father's house what you're not supposed to do. You turn it into a marketplace. You're, you're, it's a den of thieves. You have, you have made this space that is supposed to be the beginning of God and man sharing space again the way I always wanted you to. You turn it into something it's not for. What are you doing? And he runs them off. He runs them off because he's like, you forgot the purpose of this building. You've turned my father's house into a market. This is a place of prayer. This is a place of, what is prayer? Shared space. You talking to God. Ultimately, we get fixated on buildings. We make them about something that they're not supposed to be, especially when it comes to something sacred. It's the trajectory of humanity. And today's message is we cannot allow that to happen in our new sacred space. That God wants it to be something that he's always wanted it to be, and we have to fight really hard to make sure that it happens. Now, all the different pictures of temple you have heard before, but there's another one that the New Testament introduces that is absolutely incredible. So we have the garden, which is a temple. We have the tabernacle, which is a place of shared space. We have the actual physical temple. We have the Jesus, the God-man, heaven and earth man being a temple for the Holy Spirit. Then after he leaves, he gives his spirit to all of us and our bodies become a temple of the Holy Spirit. You've read that in the scriptures. But there's another temple that Paul talks about in the New Testament. Another temple. 
that kind of represents all these temples and it represents what's so important and it represents what we could do if we're not careful in the future. And this is why I'm encouraging you this way. When Paul writes to the Corinthians, which I want you to open up your Bible to 1 Corinthians, he is writing to a church that's in the town of Corinth. And Corinth was the Las Vegas of the Roman Empire. It was known for pleasure, for sexual um, exploits. It was known for worshiping many, many gods. It was known for power plays. It was known to be the place where people would exercise all of their human desires. It was so well known for exploitation and pleasure seeking that when someone in any other part of the Roman Empire would be like a person that drank a lot or constantly seeking pleasure or constantly going after their own interests and they were like known for that, maybe they were falling apart because of that, people would actually say, you're a Corinthian. It was synonymous with exploitation. That's how much of a, of a crazy town it was. It's like not, what happens in Vegas doesn't stay in Vegas. In fact, what happens in Vegas didn't start in Vegas. It started in the garden and it ended up in Corinth and then it made its way to Vegas and it makes its way into all of our hearts. And so ultimately, like Corinth is Vegas. It's this place where all this crazy stuff happens. And if you bring that out, it's like, dude, you're a gambler. You're a swindler. You're like, you're always doing that. You're, you know, living that way. And so what Paul is doing in 1 Corinthians, you have to get this, is he is writing to the Corinthians who are supposed to be living like Christians, and they're not living like Christians. He's basically going, what's going on with you? You guys are fighting over who's in leadership. You are, you are still joining your bodies with temple prostitutes. You are drinking. You are fighting. There's pride. There's divisions. And he's going, this is not what's supposed to happen with Christians. And in fact, he says it in such a profound way that maybe to you and me it doesn't hit, but if you were a Corinthian who was also a Christian and you had potentially a Jewish background if you were a convert, but even if you knew that the Christian movement you were involved in came from Jerusalem, you would understand the idea that he puts in this passage, we're going to look at one passage, one verse, 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16. He says to them, to you Corinthians who are supposed to be Christians, you're supposed to be different. He says something about a motivation to why they should be different. And he says it here. This is incredible. Verse 16 says, don't you know that you yourselves are what? God's, God's temple plural. We've had garden, tabernacle, temple, Jesus, body, your singular body. He says that later your body's a temple of the Holy Spirit. But here he introduces this idea. Do you not know that you are yourselves God's temple? And he goes on, he says, and that God's spirit lives where? In your midst. In your midst. The people of God now, in this Christian thing that's happened, are a temple. This is supposed to be the place where we share space with God. And when we're not acting like Christians, but we're letting the things of Corinth move into our midst, we're letting something that should never have been allowed in the temple in the temple. And so what this means is that we have to be alert. We have to say, no, in our body of believers, 
we're not going to let the things that gathering together shouldn't be about come about. We're not going to let our personal impulses be the center of this gathering. We're not going to let our personal desires be the purpose of this, this gathering. We're not going to look at our building, and as soon as we see our building, and maybe it doesn't do what we thought it would do, go, oh, you know, I don't like this place anymore. We are going to understand that this building, that when we walk in, that we are going to see a place, and just get this, this is where it gets exciting because this feels like a slap on the wrist, and it kind of is. We have to be careful because everybody does this with temples, but here's the truth. We are going to walk into this building, and what it's going to be is it's going to be a place that was strategically designed for people to share space with God, share space with God, to commune with him, to speak with him, to worship him, to join other believers, to, to sing songs, to learn, to have little kids learn the principles of Scripture. This building is designed for Christians to become people who look like Jesus and talk like Jesus because we share space with him. And so what that means is we have to be alert about what we're letting in our midst. And we have to be careful to go, we know what this building is for. We know what it's about, and we're not going to let it become about anything else. When you go in there and you see that big giant screen, if you go, whoa, that's too much for me, you got to remember, this building is a place where we are helping people share space with God. And nobody can argue that God's design and desire since the very beginning has been, I want to share space with you. I want to share space with you. Don't you know that you yourselves are the temple? Don't let pride, don't let selfishness get in the way of God gathering people together to share space. You know what this means? It means that what happens in our garden matters. What happens in our tabernacle matters. What happens in our temple matters. What happens in our bodies, bodies, bodies matter. What happens in our midst matters. And my friends, what happens in our building matters. And here is the main point. We have a propensity to forget the purpose of the building. It's a beautiful building. It is awesome. You're going to walk in and you're going you're to literally be so excited. You're going to freak out. It's so cool. The sound, the images, the children's spaces. It's like nothing we've ever had. It's everything we've ever had. Because the whole purpose is to do what we're doing right now better. To share space. You know, our building was inspired by a very iconic piece of American architecture called Home Depot. We went and we saw a church that bought an old Home Depot, and we said, we want that. And the first reason was it's utilitarian, and we don't want to spend a bunch of money, and it's the second uh, least expensive way to build a building. But the other reason is, is because what is Home Depot? It is a building full of tools. Home Depot, if you will, is a giant tool, and so is our building. It's a tool designed to get people to share space with God. 
That's what the building is. That's the purpose of the building. Why? Because God has given us that purpose. God has told us, go make disciples. God has told us, use everything you can to leverage all your potential, all your gifts, everything you have. Become an instrument of righteousness. Bring people back to God. So we have to get our minds right. What does that mean? The purpose of the building. The first one, to share with God. Just sit in that for a second. Another space designed for you to have some separate time from all your other time where you go and you share time with God. Shared space. Another reason is to share it with others. You are missing the heartbeat of 514 Church. If you don't understand that that building, if you're here now, it's not just for you, it's for others. You know how many thousands of people are driving by? That building is designed, it's the light of the world, it's in a strategically placed location, it's designed to be a beacon of hope, and a beacon of hope means people who need hope run to the beacon. That place is supposed to be shared. You need to be thinking, this is not just for me, this is mine to share with this community. You want to bring people in. It's not about just getting you what you want the way you want it. It's about a place designed to bring people in. The purpose of the building is to worship and glorify God. To elevate God. To learn about God. To magnify Jesus. To praise his name. To let him change us. To come to him in humility and say, we lift you up. You are God, we are not, and we are here today to share space with you, and we are lucky to be in your presence. It matters. And then to see other people worship and glorify God. Our heart should be so excited about people who are currently not sharing space with God, getting the opportunity to share space with the God of the universe. And we have a building that's designed to do that. Let's not forget the purpose. Are you with me? Are you with me? Now, with that, we are gonna continue today and we're gonna turn from the building to some of our present situation. We are going to take some time now to celebrate this building and specifically the setup team. Are you with me? The setup team. Now. The setup team has been doing this for a long, long time. They've been setting up this room, and we are going to take some time to really understand what it is they do. So with that, I'm going to do something kind of crazy. I'm going to turn on all the lights. House lights on. We're going to turn them on. I'm going to come over here. How are we doing? Nothing like it, right? There it is. Look, everyone look around. Look around at the, the screen. Look at this table. Look at all these chairs. If you're sitting in a black chair, raise your hand. Those are brought in from a trailer. All these chairs are set up every day. This whole rig up there comes off of a, uh, a trailer. The screen gets set up and rolled up and unrolled every week. Those pillars right there with those boxes get screwed in every single week. This entire table gets set up. There's multiple computers, a soundboard. There's a video production board. There's Megan. Everybody say thank you to Megan. She makes everything happen. I mean, you got a soundboard. You got cameras. You got three different cameras. You got a stage up front. You got, I mean, all of this stuff, look at it with the lights on. It's kind of fun to look at it. All of this stuff gets set up by the setup team every week. Is that not amazing? Is that not amazing? It's amazing. 
And, and sometimes you need to, you know, sometimes we need to, to pull the curtain back, right? That's why I said turn the lights on. We always turn the lights off. Man, this is just a school. Look, I mean, it's a school. I, when I came in here this morning, Michelle Unger was here, and she said, she, you, you got me? Come on, man. No, it's not your fault. It's Bill's fault. Yeah, blame it on that. No. When, when I walked in this morning, she looked and came in here, and she goes, I can't believe this is the school. That's the person who comes here every single day. You know why that happens? The setup team. The setup team wakes up. They get up every single morning at 5 in the morning for over 500 days. Over 500 times has the setup team set up. There's been over 1,000 services in this building in 10 years. That is because of the setup team. That's amazing. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to kumbaya. You're going to all stand up, and you're going to come close to this table. You're going to come close to this table. Come on in. Coronavirus has got no power here. Come on in. Come on in. And um, you know what we're going to do? We're going to just get close, just gather close. This is our church. It's kind of nice to turn the lights on, see each other. I mean, some of you, it's nice to turn the lights on and see you. Um, it's a joke. Uh, <laughs> funny. Okay, um, and if you, if you love God, like if you have any faith in God, just put your arm around somebody. All right, make it be someone you know. All right. And, uh, and here's what we're going to do. We're going to say a prayer right now of thanksgiving for the setup team, for the setup team, because all of our lives have been touched because of the work that has been done by the people who get up every single Sunday at five o'clock and get over here and unload this, every single one of us. That's why we're here. That's why we're blessed, because of these people. So let's take a minute and let's pray. Father, we thank you for the men and women who have sacrificed over 500 Sundays Good Fridays and special services to set this room up so that we can share space with you, so that we can worship you, so that we can know you more, so that we can learn about you, so that our kids can become followers of you and grow up and grow and become wise. God, I pray for every camera. I thank you for every computer. I thank you for every TV, every stage, every table, every microphone, every every chair. God, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for the people who have used their strength, their physical strength to carry that in this building. Thank you for those group of, of people that are dedicated to you in such a real measurable way. It's hard to understand. Father, I pray that the kind of dedication that they have given to this building and setting it up every single, that that would transfer into every single volunteer that is a part of our team from this day moving forward, that the spirit of what got us here would be what takes us there, whatever it is. Thank you for those men and women. Thank you for their hearts. Thank you for their dedication. Thank you for their commitment to excellence. Thank you, God. We couldn't do it without them. They are the reason that we're here and we're worshiping you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, go back to your seats. Yeah, give it up. We're gonna keep talking about the setup team. We got more. It's not over. Get your hand sanitizer out now if you need to. Um, and here's the deal. Up on the screen, you're going to see just a 30-second snapshot of just a small piece of what it looks like every single week. Over, I want you to just think when you're watching this video. This right here, what you're about to watch, has happened 
over 500 times. You can turn the lights off. It's happened over 500 times. Yeah, that, that's, uh, that, that video doesn't really do it justice. The, the amount of work um, for something as intense as setup and for anything to be successful really in any organization, you actually have to have someone at the top that has a burden and that just has no quit. And there's one person at our church that eight years ago came to me and said, this is going to be my burden and I'm going to make this happen. And this person has said to me, Countless times, you don't need to worry about it. And I have to tell you that for the first six months of the church, I was on the setup team. And this person was a volunteer on the setup team. And then when I stepped away, this person came to me about a year later and said, I want to lead it. And he said, you will never, ever, ever have to worry about it. And it is the biggest physical job that this church has by far. It is the biggest commitment, it's the most consistent, it's the most grueling. Anyone that's been in portable church will tell you that doing mobile church and setting up two 30-foot trailers worth of stuff every single week is absolutely brutal. It is just brutal. It's just a grind, and these guys did it with a smile, and the leader of that team, and the reason that we are sitting here today because of that is a man named Wes Martin, and here he is. He's going to come up here, so we're going to... We're going to take some time with Wes. Love you, man. Love you. This is the second time we've done it, so we're, 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 we're feeling it a little bit less. I mean, it's hard, but we're here. Yeah. What, uh, what an amazing opportunity. Joel, thank you um, for giving me a chance to do it. It was, uh, it was amazing. It's amazing. I don't know how you did that. I mean, but just share with everybody a little bit about what this process has been for you. You know, uh, we, um, I, uh, in the mornings, uh, we get up, and you know, this is not just the setup team. All this gets torn down, too. Yeah. All this gets torn down. As a matter of that's fact, that's the part that causes the most bitterness. Yeah, that, that, I mean, that's a little bitter. <laughs> yeah, we're a little angry at Everybody that. Everybody leaves not two really. people here. Um, if you are sitting in the room tonight, today, and you have helped set up or tore down, I don't care if you just did it one time, because we had some people that just did it one time. Yeah. <laughs> you it's know, not, whatever, it's, not it's the, fine. It's not for the faint of heart. It's fine. Hey, I want you to stand up. If you've ever stand helped. Up. Ever helped If you've at ever all, helped, stand up. stand up. I know there's a lot of you. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, hey, listen. The Navy SEALs of the church. Yeah, right? it's amazing. I mean, look, I mean, that, there's hundreds more that, that aren't here today that have done that. Yeah. Um, you know, I, we, uh, in the mornings, um, we have a small group of us that meet at 5 a.m. to get the trailers ready, and then we get them packed up, and we bring them over here, and then the rest of the team gets here at about 6 o'clock, okay? And we unload the trailers, and then we take just a five-minute break uh, sometimes it's a little bit longer. As a matter of fact, Thomas has accused me of uh, 
trying to be you. I, no way I could I be, but, um, but I would take a little bit too long. But we, they, all, they all sit right here on the stage. And um, you kind of saw it in the video. There's a section yeah, where everybody gathers together. It only took like a second in yeah, the video. Yeah, right, that was right. weird. Um, but, um, and we sit here, and I, I shared with them this morning um, what, what this has done for me. Okay, because, you know, uh, just from a selfish standpoint, every time I have driven in here with the trailer at 545, I come in and there's all these cars in the parking lot. And these are people that are getting ready to serve with me. Yeah. Now, I think to myself, <laughs> they are nuts. I mean, it is freezing cold out. It's raining. Why are they here? But sure enough, we pull these trailers in and they get out of their cars and they come and serve. And, you know, one thing I found, um, you know, I always make a joke that, you know, God is tricky and I know he's not. And I know that's, you know, probably not proper. But when you serve, I promise you, God gives you way more, way more than you give. It's crazy. It's true, though. Yeah. You think that the church needed me? I needed the church. Yeah. I needed to do this. Yeah. So, hey, it's been an honor. You know, you're an amazing leader. You're an amazing leader, and this is just the beginning. This is the beginning, not the end, yeah. of people, including me, um, uh, following your direction. Well, to take that a little further, what you do when you serve does truly materialize into people's lives as, as ministry. Yep. And, and this morning, uh, we have a member of the setup team who's been a member for over five years who decided that they wanted to really put that stamp and say, I'm, I'm a follower of Jesus, and they got baptized at the 9 o'clock service yeah, right this there. morning. Amazing. A member, there's a picture, a member of the setup team got baptized. And his name is Scott Bade, and what Scott said was that, you know, he's going to miss it. He said that he wanted to be baptized here in the place that he helped set up yeah. all these years. And so that, I mean, can you it's imagine, crazy. I mean, you're... You're coming together to set all this stuff up, and then there's all these amazing additional things that happen. It's a, it's a picture of what happens when you, when you serve with brothers and sisters. Um, with that, we are going to bring up, uh, we're going to do the Sunday countdown, and we're going to bring up a member of the setup team yep. to help us X out That's right. the three. That's so we're right. going to get the Sunday countdown going here. here you comes. guys excited? Here we go. Bring this thing out. It's time, it's that time. Yeah. Uh, uh. Give me the music. Give me the music. All right. So, uh, Wes is the leader of the setup team, but there's two guys that have been the absolute necessary pieces that have been his brothers. It's like the holy trinity of the setup team. Wes. Ben Kovacs, who's my brother who I asked to be involved eight years ago. Yeah, clap for Ben. And, uh, and he was here at the 9 o'clock service, but we're going to bring up now the other member. He ha if you're the father, I, I don't know which member he is, yeah. but he's a special member. Bring up Thomas Fisher. Get on Thomas up Fisher. Other Mike. Oh, he's in here. Oh, he's got it. There he is. Come on, Thomas. Thomas, I mean, speak to us, brother. 
You, you've been doing this how many years? Eight and a half. Eight and a half years. Eight and a half years driving this thing. And, I mean... It's, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, we've always said that... Sorry, Ryan, I'm probably not in the camera shot. Yeah. Stand in front uh, of Wes. I'll just stay right in the middle. Uh, we've always said that if all of our efforts for these 10 years have led one person closer to Christ, then absolutely all of this is worth it. Uh, this is a grind. This is... My Sunday is 4.45 a.m. to 2 p.m. every single Sunday. But I love it. I'm going to miss this, believe it or not. I'm not going to miss the work. But I'm going to miss the guys. I'm going to miss this team of men. Uh, I think I shared this morning, one of the first baptisms I remember here was Matt and Kristen Holdren, Mike Strackoff, and Ryan Grice. Yeah. All accepted Christ through the setup team. Yeah. And now we ended with Scott Bay today. Yeah. And it's all because wow. of this team. Well, I, I think that, you know, we could stand up here and, and thank you till the end of the day. But we won't. We'll, we'll get out of here. Please. Um, uh, thank you. My pleasure. No, thank you for your commitment, your hard work. This place wouldn't be what it is without you. Um, you, you've been on your own personal journey in a lot of different ways, your spiritual journey, and, and God has continued to be faithful, and I'm just thankful that you've stuck with this, and you've, you are the reason, man. I mean, these, these orange theory muscles. <laughs> OTF Blacklick. <laughs> That's right. But listen, man, I, I don't know what else to say. We love you. We're thankful for you. We're all here sitting, watching because of all the hard work you put in. And, and that's just that's impossible to quantify. So we love you. We thank you. So with that, man, give him a round of applause. Yeah. And now, um, before he does this, I want to make a quick announcement. He's going to right now free that three. But we have two more weeks after this, but we're not gathering. Okay? Remember, we don't have church next week. And then the following Sunday, next Sunday Around 7.15 or 7.20 p.m., we are going to live stream through Instagram Live to our student ministry, which is called Boom, and we are going to cross out the two via Instagram Live, so that's how we'll gather together next week. We'll do it virtually, and then on uh, the last Sunday, I believe this is the 22nd, we will live stream around 10 a.m. via Instagram Live from the building on the main stage in the auditorium and we'll cross out this one. So you don't want to miss that. And then of course we'll be together on March 29th for the first time at 9 a.m. You don't want to miss it. So Thomas Fisher, free that three, baby. Free that three. 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 Come on, come on. There we go. There we go. Thanks, man. Love you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, go ahead and stand up. Um, we're going to sing one more song. God's presence is, is truly an open door. We're so glad that you guys are here. Um, it's going to be an amazing, amazing couple weeks. Let's worship together. Let's give God all the glory this morning for what he's brought us through all these 10 years and what's to come. He is so good, ways we can't even imagine. So let's lift him up together this morning. I give you glory 
for all you brought me through and now I'm ready for whatever you want to do I'm moving forward to follow after you and now I'm ready for whatever you want to do your presence is an open door we want you lord like never before your presence is an open door so come now lord like never before
When, uh, when you think about when you think about open doors, about to leave these doors and go to these open doors. Watch this. This is where we're all headed. on March 29th at 9 a.m. We only have 700 seats, so you better get there. And until then, peace, love, and little donuts in the back. Happy birthday, 514 So I put it in this song They tell me think with my head